live a good life so that way you have a legacy so your children can benefit from the fact that their father was a good man or their mother was a good woman. Everything I do, it's all about legacy. When I walk out of that room, what are you going to say about it? My goal in life is to keep that credit rating, that interpersonal rating, whatever you want to call it, by treating everybody great, treating them with respect, doing things that's going to impact people. I'm still going to fall short. I'm still going to have things that are not as good. But if you bring the sum total of everything I've done, the good and the bad, I would hope that by the time I'm done with this life, the net would be more good than bad. Welcome, everybody, to episode 20 of the Paul and Pals podcast. I'm your host, Ponyboy Paul. And Paul and Pals, the podcast where I interview my creative pals to learn how to become who they are today to inspire you for tomorrow. On this episode, I have a creative conversation with my pal, Foxy P. Foxy is the founder of the African Princes of Comedy Group. He's also a stand-up comedian himself, and he's also a wedding host in his free time. In this episode, we talk about how he came here with just enough money to fund just one year of college. Uh, We talk about how he's able to make his comedy profitable from the get-go. And then lastly, we talk about what he means by doing things specifically for his people. So without further ado, Let's get creative. You. Right, oh, bro. Hey. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Something light, you know what I'm saying? How you doing? Are you... <laughs> How's my audio? How's everything? It sounds good. It sounds, sounds good. Yeah, I can hear you pretty well, how's, man. How's, how's my lighting? Because I, I, I try to do something where it's not like just throwing shadows and stuff. Yeah. Am I good? It's good. It's a little slightly dark, but I can see you pretty well. Is yeah. it like on you or like off you right now? It's off me. Yeah. So I... Yeah. See, it becomes darker. Gotcha. I'm trying not to make it too dark. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's looking good, though. Yeah, we could optimize, yeah. Bet, bet. I'm d- sure. We can do some little post-edit. Um, but now, nah, man, how are you doing right now, bro? How you how you living? How's everything? How's life? Oh, life is good, brother. Life is good, man. I'm, I'm really excited about this. Are we on? Yeah, we're on. We're live. <laughs> ah, oh, I've seen the wine now. I've yeah, seen yeah, the wine yeah, now. You know what I'm saying? What's, what's, what? hey, that's, how, that's how you know we live, bro. But um, we know live, man. No, I'm excited too, and I think I always like to start with you know how we met and everything. And I actually just posted the picture on my um, IG story, right? So we I actually met you back in like back when I still had hair. I met you back in uh, 2015 at the University of Michigan. Yep. I was participating in the ASA African Student Association, um, like a it's like a t- talent show, cultural show, whatever we do. And they invited you to be the host, right? And the funny thing was, I remember um, Tochuku at that time was the president. And he had said, like, yo, our host is coming in. Can you help him find a barber and everything? So he gave me your number. And I'm like, yo, this is Paul. What's up? And you're like, yo, Paul, where's the nearest barbershop? I got to get ready. (laughs) And I remember, I think you went to, like, Nichols Arcade Barbershop. And from there, and, uh, you know, we kind of just kind of, you know, kept in touch, obviously, with social media. Uh, but the funniest yeah. thing was that when I thought about hitting you up, like in January, I think it might be before January, I texted you, right? And I didn't mm-hmm. hear anything. I didn't hear no response. I'm like, damn, this, this man changed his number. And then I think I, uh, I, I then hit you on IG. And then at that when you finally mm-hmm. responded. And then you were like, yo, that's fine. Let's just hit me on my number. And you gave me the same number that I already texted. I'm like, damn, this man, <laughs> this man never no. replied back, bro. It- it 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 sounds like the kind of thing I would do. Yeah, but, uh, uh, that that is that is definitely within my the range of crazy mm-hmm. that I would that would like literally like somebody I haven't talked to this person in a long time, and they just hit me. The first thing I'm going for is like why, like why, like why, like you know it's not no 
oh Merry Christmas two seconds ago. No, it's just like yo, boom, 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 boom. Like all right, yeah. Let's let's see how bad they really want whatever they want, right? <laughs> and then afterward, so so literally. But but to be honest though, I'll I'll be very I'll be very honest yeah. with you. It took until I looked at when you when you DM me on IG and I clicked on your page. Mm. Cause I know you as Paul. I don't know this whole pony thing going on. <laughs> That's like true. you know, like yeah. are you a are you a furry? Like you know, like you know, are you are you into like you know my little pony? Like yeah. is that you? Like what what's with the whole pony thing? Help me understand. Actually, let me yeah, I can bring that back, and I probably told the the OG uh pony people know, but like it's it's actually a weird story. It actually came about on Twitter, right? I was trying to like you know you want to have a cool social media name, right? So uh-huh. I was like, oh man, like I gotta find something. And one day I was messing with a friend and I, I purposely spelled her name wrong, right? And uh, shout out a lot. She might be listening, watching this. And I put, I, I, I took a letter out of her name or something like that. It's like, okay. And she was like really funny. And she spelled my name P-O-L. And I was like, yo. And at that time I had a, I had a favorite book called The Outsiders. And the, the uh, main mm. character was Ponyboy Curtis. So I was mm. like, yo, Ponyboy. Because he was my favorite character at that time. And then Paul. And then from there, it just became a thing. And then I've had that since 2013, 14. And it's just always nice, been my thing. Nice, but, nice. Oh, um, that's a good origin story. Yeah, that's a good origin story. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's why. That's so I, I can see why you might have like saw that name on IG. Yeah. Like, who is this MF? It's and like, then I'm like, who is this person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm very, I, I don't, I don't do podcasts. I don't do, I don't, well, not even podcasts. I don't do interviews because I feel like, you know, there's only so much of yourself you can give. Yeah. Right. Oh, so this is exclusive. You know, people, yeah, like like you know, it's like it's like people who who are not in entertainment, they 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 have the luxury of living their lives with some kind of like you know, um, uh, they're like they're like enigmas, like you don't know everything about them. There's some secrecy to them. There's still some special sauce. Mm. And I find that the, the the more time we spend in the entertainment world, the more of you you give out. Where after a while, it's kind of like like I've seen this happen. I've seen legit like comedians being an interview, not even comedians, but like people being an interview. And then they're like, oh, yeah, I grew up somewhere. And then somebody's like, no, 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 that's not where you grew up. You only spent two years there. Like, legit, bro. Like, yeah. people are correcting your life story because you've given too much out. Ah, I see. You know? So, yeah. yeah. So, but anyways, but, you know, with, with us, we have we have that bond. Yeah, so, there's no way you no, I really and I appreciate you up, getting so. back to me. I saw your phone calling when I'm like, oh, bet. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's our little origin story. But, you know, as I said before, this show is really about interviewing people who I consider creative to kind of understand, you know, how did you become who you are today so that I can help mm. inspire, you know, others for tomorrow. So I guess let's start with everybody's origin story. You know, where are you from, childhood and all that, and then we'll, we'll take it from there. Okay. Uh, so I'm an Igbo boy hey. uh, from, <laughs> from Nigeria, West Africa, uh, born of Igbo parents, Igbo heritage, definitely all, all day, every day. Yeah. But at the same time, I was born in Lagos, grew up in Lagos. So, you know, while I'm repping the Igbo side, I do have a Yoruba middle name, you know, and all of that. So mm. the cultures has always been together, like since, since day one, yeah. you know, and, you know, as part of my look, I'm, 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 I wear a house, a hat. So I'm pretty much the Wazobia whole thing. Everything, so, yeah. But I still, I still, I still rep Igbo real heavy. Um, Grew up, grew up in Nigeria, grew up in Lagos, uh, moved out here when I was 16 and a half, so maybe like 2001, mm-hmm. uh, came out here for college, you know, shout out to State University of New York at Buffalo, hey. uh, la- landed at JFK with $16,606, which was exactly what they said 
in the in you know how before you go to school yeah. they have like a thing where they tell you like this how much your tuition is gonna be yeah this how much room and board like my dad gave me enough for one year wait wait for so oh, wait so the Legit. tuition was 16k and that's all you came over with sixteen thousand six hundred and six dollars it was tuition room and board like you know food on campus like you know like meal plans and everything that whole yeah he was he was literally like yo you you really want to go want to go like he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't supportive of it and for for good reason yeah we have people in my extended family so my dad's generation who left nigeria and never came back i have an uncle you know shout out to uncle obiora he left nigeria in the early 70s for italy never came back like Mm. i'm talking about Siblings got married, had kids, parents passed, never came back. Wow. So my dad was, and he was a first son, son. I'm a first son. And you know, I don't know if you heard the story about the Igbo first son. Ladies, don't marry them. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, stress, the stress is different. But, but literally, he was like, yo, like, you know, you're leaving. Like, you're supposed to take care of the family. You're supposed to inherit the family business. My dad owned a very successful computer company. He had spent about 24 years as a bank executive before that, before he retired and started his own business. Mm-hmm. So literally he was looking at me like, yo, you, you, this was supposed to be you. Why are you trying to dip? Mm-hmm. And for him, all he could see was you never coming back. And you can make the argument that, you know, this is what 2001, 2002 up until now, it's almost like 19, 20 years. So he's not wrong. You haven't been but back you know the since difference? then? No, I have been back, okay. but I never, I'm not, I'm not, I didn't move back. Gotcha. But you know the difference, Paul? What? You know the crazy thing? What? He lives with me now. Oh, my father lives with me. I see. So isn't it crazy how life works out? Yeah. Where literally, literally, my old, my oldie was there thinking like, "Yo, let me not give him too much money to make sure he comes back." Uh-huh. But then look at how life works out. Yeah. Now I'm, he's living with me. I'm taking care of him. Yeah. Now that's beautiful, bro. Yeah. And I'm actually very that interested is... in that story more too, because, you know, you kind of just said I grew up in Nigeria and then I applied to the U.S. And I think that's a crazy jump. I think we're very. It's normal now. It's common. But like growing mm-hmm. up, why were you so set on, I have to make sure I attend school in the U.S.? Like, how did that come about? Um, so I, I didn't want to. And, you know, I think I think it's important to, to point out that we, you know, I was very fortunate. I was born 1984. So that makes me I'm going to be 37 in about, you know, two months. Mm-hmm. May 18th. Shout out to Taurus is in the building. Hey. Um, so <laughs> so for me, it's like. I, I had a, I had, it came, I grew up in a comfortable, maybe middle class, upper middle class family, you know, the Nigerian story, comfortable house, you know, drivers, all that kind of stuff. And I went to university in Nigeria. So I graduated from high school very early. I think I was like 14 and a half when I got out of school. And I went to University of Lagos for two years. And for me, like, I never wanted to leave the country because I had all of my friends and all of my, like, everybody was there. Like, it made sense. Like, I wanted to grow up. I had the same friends from kindergarten mm. all the way up to college. So it, I was never one of those people that wanted to leave. But when you're in a country where things don't work, and from a purely educational standpoint, I had been in school for three years, but I only had enough credits for like a year and a half because the school was constantly on strike. Like right now mm. in Nigeria, ASU, which is like the Association of um, University Workers and Professors and everything, they've been on strike for the better part of the last three years. So there's kids who literally were supposed to be in their junior year who are still in freshman year. There's kids who are supposed to be in sophomore year who haven't even started classes. And there's kids who are supposed to be freshmen this year that are, nobody's even thinking about. So if you, if you put that in perspective, literally a, a college degree that's supposed to take you four years could take you nine years. Wow. 
and it was it has nothing to do with your ability to catch up yeah, or keep up just so resources. literally it, 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 it was just like that so you have no choice you know particularly because i was fortunate i had parents who were able to you know do what they could to bring me over mm-hmm. then it became an option you know gotcha. so for, for my for my generation it was still an option for the generation now it's not even an option it's like yo we just got to go we just got to go yeah yeah. You know, so, yeah, it's crazy. No, that is yeah. crazy. I mean, I think about it, too. Uh, you know, I came out a little bit differently. I came because uh, my dad won the uh, visa lottery. And, ah, uh, nice. you know, that was very fortunate. And even the crazy thing about that story is that he won it. Not not me and my mm-hmm. mom at that time. My brother was born here, fortunately. But ah. he won it. So he was the only one that was technically able to come here. But fortunately, uh, the, the way the story goes, like the immigration saw, officer saw me and my mom kind of waiting in the back with him. And he's like, yo, what about what about them too? He's like, oh, they didn't. Wow. He's like, I'll sign them. I'll give it to them too. Um, so I, I think being here is very fortunate. But I wanted you to recant that story because I think the the uh, impact of immigration is so it's so it's it's so common now. But I feel like to make the decision to leave your home and everybody you know and move to an entire country with no idea of what to expect, no idea of how your life will turn out is crazy. So I think mm-hmm. to see that you're a living embodiment of that is a, is a great example and inspiration to anybody that might I watch this, listen to this and see that. So that's, that's really dope, man. And- yeah, but, it, but it's wild. Like, to be honest, like if, if I had the chance, you know, when I have children, I wouldn't do that. I would never, you know, raise my kids separate from me because, you know, there's, there's all kinds of stuff that comes with it, right? You know, I have times when I sit down with my father and, you know, he's trying to talk to me and I have to remind him, like, I left home early. Like, I haven't, you know, it's, I, I left home in two, so 2002. I didn't, I didn't spend a night with my parents for, like, it took like nine years before I got to see them. Wow. Like, I, I should be able to, so things like that. Or now when he's like, oh, you know, why are you thinking this way? You're kind of different from the way I think. And, you know, you're my son. I'm surprised. I'm like, bro, I, I spent more years away from you than with you. Yeah. So little things like that, you know, or the fact that, you know, um, so I'll give you an example. I still have the piece of luggage that I brought with me from Nigeria. I had one piece of luggage and I've moved maybe like at least like eight to 10 times. Mm -hmm. It's still in my basement in my house right now. And the reason why I keep that is because at some point in my life, everything that was important to me could fit into one piece of luggage. Mm. So there's nothing I can get today. There's no material. Like there's no material, you know, stuff I can get. There's no cars. There's no homes. There's no clothes. There's no fly sneakers. That's gonna mean anything. Because there was a time in my life when everything I cared about fit in that one piece of luggage. So I keep that in my home. Every time I move, I take that with me to keep me grounded, to keep reminding me, don't get attached to stuff. Mm-hmm. There was a time when everything could fit in here. So. You know, it's it's a different thing, but I appreciate you letting us, you know, jump into that a little bit. It doesn't yeah. have that much to do with comedy, but I think it's extremely and important to understand yeah. where the hustle comes no, from. No, for sure. I think I think I mean that's why I like the origin stories because I think when uh, whenever you see what people are now, it's usually never what they were before. But that before has so much influence on who they are now. I'm always curious to know about that. So I think that story sets a kind of tone to be like, oh, okay. This man kind of kind of went through some things. So like, let's kind of go through more of that. So you were coming here, you're in college, first year, only one year of tuition. How did you make that all work? Like, what was the what was your thinking all that? Bruh, it was it was it was everything. So so first off, you know, um, I I, I used to be really smart. <laughs> so, uh, I think my S, my SATs, I was in the and I 
I don't talk about stuff like because it doesn't really go well with the comedy side of things. Mm-hmm. Like nobody wants to think of a comedian as being smart because then you become a smart comedian and you know that that has its own <laughs> yeah, that has yeah, its yeah. own thing, you, right? In a box, yeah. yeah. Yeah, in a box. And you never want to be in a box. You want to get money from everybody. Facts. So you don't don't ever want to be in a box. Yeah. I'm the only box I'm gonna be in is a box I put myself in, which is that I'm an African comedian, which is why the name of my company is African Comedian. Got you. And the name of my tour is African Prince of Comedy, which we're, we're gonna get back we're gonna to get later to, on. Yeah, but yeah. we're gonna get to. So so I it was a hustle. Like everything was a hustle. So like I said, I did well in the SAT, so I was in the top three percent in the world for verbal and top no, top three percent for for math and then top five percent for verbal. So I think back then the scores was out of sixteen hundred and I think I scored like fourteen ninety or something like that. You know, Damn. my SAT. So it was it was like it was like crazy. Yeah. So but but being 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 an immigrant, being a kid in Nigeria, I don't. The concept of scholarships was beyond me. The fact that the school actually accepted me blew my mind. So coming in, I didn't. I wasn't on no scholarship. But then when I got there, mm-hmm. shout out to Dr. Kapuana. I'm always gonna remember that woman. She set up an appointment with me like a week after I got to school with the honors program, and I came in and she sat me down. She's like, "Look, your SATs is." You're you have the best SAT scores like anybody that came into this school this year. Yeah. You have to be in the honors program. So she brought she she broke me some bread. So you know, yeah. so I started to chop. You know, so literally <laughs> like little little by little. little you know, thing. so yeah, I got yeah. that. Then I was an RA in college because I'm an RA. You got a finesse resident that, bro. advisor. You got a finesse. You understand that, what I'm saying? So yeah. resident advisor, you get room and board, right? Mm-hmm. Then I, I became the captain of the boxing team, so I get a little stipend. So you just you just keep trying different things, and then I get a job on campus, and then I'm working summers, I'm working winters. You know, I don't have anywhere to go, so I'm constantly grinding. Yeah. I remember getting my first raise from six dollars twenty-five to six dollars forty-five, and I took my girl at the time. We went to Applebee's, and I was like, "Yo, <laughs> get whatever you want, get whatever you want, no, Applebee's, get whatever you want, bruh." Yo, we got. I'm. I'm never gonna forget this meal. Yeah. It was one of those meals that, like, you can hear it before it comes. Like, it's like it's, it's like, sizzling. You be like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> I'm like, "Baby, get that joint, yo!" Legit, legit. So that was that was my life. It was. So you know, I I graduated in three years because yeah. you know you can't you can't waste no time, right? The, the tuition is counting. Yeah. So it was just hustles, everything. You know, I did a sleep study, I uh, did a vaccine test. Pro, like you know how? Yeah. I've never talked about this part, but you know how this COVID vaccine thing? Yeah. You know that? Oh, you were the, oh, you, one of the on, right? you did one of the trials. I was I I did <laughs> I did a vaccine trial, uh, for for two weeks. I was in a hospital. And it was like 20 of us and they, they injected us with whatever. <laughs> and there was a control group and there was, and they literally, they literally just let you be. Yo. And you just, you just, you just like, you just like, <laughs> bruh, it was, it was, like, it oh, was maybe, shit. my neck kind of itched. Bro, bro, this is how crazy that joint was. There'll be times I'll be sitting down and I'm like, what did you do to yourself? Because back then there was no Google. I'm talking about like 2002, 2003. Like, bro, yeah. we were just taking all kinds of chances. I'm, I'm like, I think maybe it was like $900. Like, I risked my whole life. It was a, it was, it was a Shigella, Shigella vaccine. I still don't know what that disease is, Shigella. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it was legit a Shigella vaccine. Yo. And I, I did the trial. I, I was part of the first human trial for that joint. <laughs> Bro, that's crazy, bro. I get it, bro. You gotta get it how you live, man. Like, you gotta, yeah, yeah, bro. Dang, thank you for your service, bro. Um, so, (laughs) (laughs) 
my man was like, thank you for your service, bro. It was, it was legit service, okay. man. So it seems like, okay, so you always grind in and you had the, you know, the smarts, okay. right? So when you were going to college, what were you going to college for? Um, so my undergraduate degree is in um, electrical engineering. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah, so okay. electrical engineering. But that was, that was also, you know, it, it, was, it was also a, an intentional misstep. Uh, from when I was 14, I was, I was working from, with my dad and like he had like, you know, he had a computer company. So we would see, I, I, part of what he did was like computer classes. So I would go with him and I would teach Excel, Microsoft Excel to executives, like bank executives in Nigeria. So he started, you know, going down that Igbo father level of like, oh, you're going to inherit the, fa- the family company, company yeah. which to me is you talking crazy. <laughs> like, you're not, you're not finna, you're not finna plan my life. Yeah. So the easiest way to step away from that was when it was time for college, I didn't do computer science. Mm. I went with engineering because I was trying to say like, yo, see, I'm doing something else. I yeah, can't work yeah, for yeah. you. You have a computer company. But bro, every single job I've had in my life has been IT. Like I never worked a day as an engineer. I like see. even right now, right now, I, I lead a global IT security team. I have people in DC. I have people that report to me in India, all around the world. And it's all, it's all been IT my entire life. That's but literally all I did. So, you know, that's one of the reasons why when I see people like going crazy about like, oh, why their kids are acting out? I'm like, bro, listen to the kids, man. It's not that hard. If you pay attention, they're going to let you know yeah. like why, why they're going in a specific that's direction. That's crazy. So. And then look, at, look at where it's got you because you never really left the computer scene. So that's, uh, it was good. Okay. So you kind of, yeah. um, you were kind of doing that. Like, let me do engineering. Let me get out of here. But when you were kind of, before you got all these IT roles, when you were kind of in the engineering path, was it? Was it like an intentional reason with a job as well? Did you have an idea of what you wanted to be, or you just said electrical mm-hmm. engineering just to just to go that route? I just I just went down that route just to you know piss my dad off, and <laughs> <laughs> and then I ended up you know when I when I came over here I was in an engineering program, mm-hmm. and all of my boys were literally like dropping out of engineering, and so by sophomore year I knew I hated engineering. Mm-hmm. I knew I was never gonna work in engineering. But you know that whole pride thing and ego thing. I'm like, nah, I'm smart. I'm, I'm going to tough this one out. Like, yeah. legit. And that's the only reason why I stayed in engineering. Damn, I, I relate never, to that, like, bro. Bro, what did you, what did you do? I, I did mechanical engineering in sophomore year. What's funny, I actually wanted to switch to computer science. So opposite of you. <laughs> and I didn't because I'm like, oh, it's going to be steep. I got to do all this. Let me just stay here. Mechanical, I'll probably still get a job. Um, and that's kind of how it, and what's funny enough, I'm actually in IT right now too. So it's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like, we just, it just, things yeah. just happen in life, bro. But, uh, no, that's yeah. good to hear that. And one thing that I think might stick out, it stood out to me, but it might stand out to anybody else that's listening is, you know, you're Foxy P, you're this comedian. Nobody thinks about the fact that you probably have a regular day job, right? So I'm kind of yeah. curious. When does this comedy come into play? When were you like, oh, let me let me be a comedian? Like, how did that start to be a thing? Um, so it that's it was a hustle, and I'll be honest, it was a hustle. Uh, so I used to throw parties. Like, it, it just, so if you if you look at my entire life, you, you see like it's just been grind, hustle, trying to do different things constantly, just constantly, just trying to whatever you can do to make a dollar, like a clean dollar, like you know nothing illegal, you know, because I. The kind of family I come from, you know, I know if I get deported because I scam somebody, my mom's going to make sure I'm going to church on Sunday. Like, she's going to make sure. It's not one of those families where you get deported and you can go chill, you know, for like, yeah. for like, 
for like six months till yeah. you get your bearings and then they can like your family gonna make it seem like oh yeah he just you know he used he was tired of being in america so he just moved back no my mom is literally gonna take me to church and literally people will be like oh when when did you come back they're like no you didn't come back it was the potato do <laughs> Like legit, I, I, know, I know my mom, I know my mom. Yeah. So off of that, you got you, you have to, you know, if you know the kind of family you're from, you have to condition yourself no. based off of that. Facts. So I knew I couldn't make no dirty money, I couldn't make no funny money, so it had to be legit. So every single thing. So I used to throw parties. And I, my first job out of, so I did go to grad school for computer security. Oh, okay. Which, because, which, you know, when, when, when you're, when you've been working in IT for a long time, all through undergrad, your internships and everything, I got tired of going to getting jobs, going to interviews and everything was good. And people looking at me and saying like, you know, you can make more as an engineer. And I'm like, I don't want, you know, to be an engineer. Or people would be like, oh, uh, your resume says engineering, but it's just showing all this IT experience. So I just needed something in that field. So I went for computer security. And the reason I picked computer security was because my first job out of after school uh, was an IT job. And I just looked around and there was this one dude who never did anything. He would just go from cube to cube, chatting up everybody. Ah. He knew all the sports teams and he's asking questions about different teams. Like, how about them Lakers? What do you think about the huge? <laughs> That's all he did. And I'm like, what does this dude do? And they're like, he's a security <laughs> guy. I'm uh, like, bet. But... <laughs> That's what I'm going to school for. Like, don't tell me nothing. And I was like, yeah. bro, like, I'm, try I'm trying to chill. So anyways, so I'm in college, grad school. Mm -hmm. And I start throwing parties. And... You oh, know, this is in grad parties, school like, you were throwing parties. This is grad school I'm throwing parties. Yeah, oh, grad okay. school I'm throwing parties. So I'm throwing parties here, here in Maryland. I went to Towson University here in Maryland. And I'm throwing parties. And I graduate. My first job after grad school was KPMG, which is like a public accountant firm. I was like an IT security consultant guy. I'm hanging out with these white boys. God bless them. They're like, yo, let's go out. You know, you know white boys. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 you know where you went to school, yeah. so you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> anyway, so they're like, yeah, let's go out. They take me out. You know, it's like the white boys thing, like, you know, with drinking, you know, getting drunk, and that's it. And I'm like, this is it? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, all right. In two weeks' time, I'm having my party. Come oh. through. So they came to one of my parties. Now, yeah. Paul, I, I invite people to my parties all the time because, you know, it's my party. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect, if I knew where this was going to go, I would never have done this. So they come. First of all, security has to come get me because dress code. They're not, you know, they came with a white boy, you know, hat backwards, t-shirt, yeah. jeans. Was this and, party you know, like at a, at a venue or was it like a house party? Like, how is this? This is like a club. This is like a club. Wait, like, what? Around, like VIP, like the whole nine. Like, I, I was throwing parties. Like that party party. Like, what? A party group and everything. Yeah. That's, you got to explain more of that. So like, this came oh, out of nowhere. Okay. I'm thinking like, oh, you got a crib. I want to invite some people, oh, no. you know, small no. little thing. You're talking okay. about like a venue party. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, bro, like we, we did. So, <laughs> so like venue parties where you, you sell tables and stuff. So you buy out the club. Like you literally would talk to the owner and you yeah. tell him like, okay, how much do you make in a night? And he'll be like, oh, you know, I make 20000 for my bar. And then they set a bar guarantee. Like if I make you that 20000 anything over that, I get a cut. Uh... And I'm and I'm and people are gonna pay me to get in, and then the DJ is mine. Like the club is mine for that night. That's like a party party. What made you want to get into that though? Like where? What made it like? Oh, that's a legit hustle right there. Did you just somebody told you? Or you just like thought about it's, it? Like it's a no, it's a hustle. Like as soon as I came to Maryland, the first question I asked was, "What do you guys do to make money? Um, Clean money? Yeah, that's all. That's what I always do. Anywhere I go, I ask. You know, I, I start talking to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, see who you have affinity with. You know, people that you align with. Uh -huh. And then next thing I ask is like, how do you get bread? You know, what do you do? And yeah. then they told me, and I was like, all right, you know, they, so this is how it started. 
right? Since I was in grad school, the guys that they were already throwing parties, but they were doing little house parties. You know how basement parties, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right. They came to me and they were like, oh, um, I'm in grad, so I had a little bit of money. And they're like, oh, you know, we need an investor. You know, want an investor? And I'm like, how much do you want? And I think the first time I gave them like three hundred dollars, and we did the party. The money came back. And then the next time I gave them five hundred, we did the party. The money came back. And I was like, okay, let's let's go all in then. So what we used to do then, Paul, was because we're trying to do 18 and over parties, because this is college parties. Yeah. In Maryland, it was hard to find venues. So we would go to a pizza shop or we'd go to a Chinese restaurant and we'd talk to the owner and be like, what time do you close on Saturday? And they'd be like, you know, we close at nine. We'd be like, can you close at eight? They'd be like, why should I close at eight? Because we want to use your spot. Uh, I'm not really sure, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> How much do you make your entire weekend? Oh, you know, a good, don't ask me this kind of, no, no, no. talk to me. Yeah. Do you make up to a thousand? Now, no. Okay, we're going to give you a thousand. Whoa, why are you going to give me a thousand? We're going to use it. We want because we want to use your spot. So, legit, like all of the pizza shops, you know, Chinese restaurants, Indian restaurants within like a 20 mile radius of Baltimore, we would hit them up and do parties there. Oh, so, legit, wow. we would come like at 8 p.m. and stack up all your chairs in the cut, bring my security, bring my DJ, bring everything that I need mm -hmm. to throw a party, and people start coming through. And we were selling bottles in there, bro. We were right, selling bottles in pizza restaurant, shop. Yo, the pizza shop. Yeah, legit. Yeah. I mean, pictures of it. So, so the point I'm trying to make is like, one of the reasons why you're never going to see me argue with anybody about who's funny and who's not is because I don't care. Gotcha. It's about the business. It's yeah. about the business. And it's show business. It, you know, you show who I need him to do the business. That's it. Like, yeah. you know, so... Yeah, I don't get, I don't get to carry it, but anyway, so that okay. was, that was how the whole gotcha. party thing okay, started. I wanted to so, clarify that. Okay. So, I was, so yeah, so I started to do parties in like bigger lounges and bigger clubs and all of that. And so I invited my coworkers and then they came dressed. So this is back in like 2006, 2007, when Niger boys used to dress like we were going to the bank mm -hmm. when we were going to parties. Like we would wear like three piece suits with like a tie, briefcase, the whole nine, but like <laughs> it was a problem. Like. If you think pants are tight now, bro, you could you could count the change in my pocket with the with the pants I would wear. Like it was like <laughs> yo, skinny jeans, skinny everything. So they came and yeah. um, they they came in. I came and got them at the door, took them to a table, sat them down, had some bottles come over, and then they were seeing me like moving around. I'm like yo, people are coming up to me like yo, Foxy, where's my bottles at? I'm like okay, yeah, he got two bottles. Give him one rosé and give him one Hennessy. What's the problem? Okay, give him give him give him a break. Like give him an extra bottle. Like, they saw me doing all of this, and these are KPMG boys. These are accountants. Mm. So they're doing the math. They're like, ooh, that table is 2,000, 2,000, 5,000. They're doing the math. And when they did the math, they, when they came to the conclusion of about that I was doing something different from what I was doing. So when we get to work on Monday, it, the, the conversation started off with, oh, you know he throws parties? It went from that to he's making 20000 every weekend. He owns a club. Oh, he's only doing this job for insurance. Oh, snap. They're playing telephone. So off yeah, of that, yeah. they, they just took it to the next level, you know, because yeah. that's the only way to make sense to them. Like, how would you have a coworker who's an entry-level coworker who's, you know, I, I got a fat stack in my pocket. Like, bro, like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So long story short, they told my boss, and she was like, oh, my God, look at you, you're a celebrity. And it was sweet for, like, two days. By the third day, bro, it was not hell. She's like, any 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 mistake you're making with work, she's like, oh, you you need some rest. 
you know, because oh, you know, now club, she's thinking that like, yeah, 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 you ain't prioritizing you're di- work. You're, you're, dis- you're distracted. You know, you need some rest. You know, see, you're making all these silly mistakes. You know, blah blah blah. Why are you leaving early today? You have an event in your club. You know, and that became a problem. So I had to, I had to pivot mm. from throwing parties, and I had to think of something I could do by myself, That's where I would be, I would be providing a service, and I would get paid for that. And I started to think about it, and people had always told me that was funny. So the goal now was to figure out how to take that funny and turn it into a business. Mm, I see what you're saying. So I don't want anybody listening to this to be like, oh, I thought I was going to be listening to a comedian that's going to romanticize comedy. If you want that, by all means, you know, there's people in comedy clubs right now who've been doing open mics for 10 years straight, and they're still getting paid two drinks after they perform. Wow. I I saw that life, and the first time I told my dad I wanted to do comedy, you know what my father said to me? What? He was like, look, you're, you have a master's degree. Anything you do, do it like you have a master's degree. So off of that, bro, I'm never going to be in line waiting for some somebody to take me on tour. No, I'm going to take myself on tour. Yeah. I'm going to flip those dollars. I'm going to package myself. I'm going to bring it all together. And that's the reason why, you know, I went from, you know, pivoted from throwing parties to doing comedy and then your school now came and booked me like that that's, too, that's the progression that's the progression yeah now that helps to paint a picture man because i think even when we talk on some just non just regular stuff it's very like i i kind of promoted this where i knew you're going to talk about the business of comedy because i was curious you can do comedy right but how do you make money from it and it seems like from your first pivot into it you were like how do i make money from it? like i'm not gonna just that's do it. this I, i'm funny but mm-hmm. like how do I make sure that this provides me a living? So I kind of, mm-hmm. I'm curious about that. I kind of want to learn more how you did that. So you were told you were funny. You you wanted to be like, oh, let me try this comedy thing. What was like, what went into your idea of how do you make profit from it? Was it like I have to do this many shows per weekend? Or was it more like I have to get a show here, a gig here? How did you actually make it profitable for you? So I had to do my research to find out who's actually making money in comedy, right? Comedy is a very funny thing in that. You could have people that are not even funny at all, but they're making like 40000 a show. And you could have a kid that's killing it and he's getting $50 after he performs. Mm. So you, you have to now ask yourself, what are you more concerned about? Are you more concerned? It's like, it's like the NBA. It's like everything else. You know, there's kids in the hood that's way more talented than LeBron. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. But they're not in the league. You know, it could be, it could be for whatever reason. Maybe they don't have the right agents, whatever, whatever the reason is. But, you know, Life is not fair. You have to figure out how to how to put yourself in that position. So for me, I started to think about it like, because this is how this is how comedians make it. You start going to open mics. Maybe you do the open mics for like a year, two years. The club owner is not like, you know what, you're you're actually pretty good. You know what, I want you to start hosting for me. And each time you come, I might give you twenty dollars. I might give you two drinks. I might let you get a free free meal, right? And you keep doing that for another two years, and then you're gonna be fortunate one day, Kevin Hart. No, no, maybe not Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart's way, way too big. It'll be like a, it'll be like a, uh, let me see, who's who's like a mid-level comedian that you would say is like, you know, pretty good, but he's not, yeah. he's not like, maybe I, all them kids from Wild and Out. Yeah, those, I think those, yeah, those that's what I would say. Yeah, so I'm thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you know, uh, the the guy with the DC young fly, yeah, DC for instance, right? DC comes to the club, you open for him, you kill it. He's like, oh my god, this kid is nice. He takes you on tour with him. Mm-hmm. Then he takes you on tour for like a year. You're still not making any money, but now you're with DC. Mm-hmm. You get to Hollywood, boom, boom, boom. Then maybe like two, three years later, you know, they, they say it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. Mm-hmm. Then eventually, you know, after nine years in, 
boom, you make it. You have people like Leslie, you know Leslie Jones, like yeah, the, yeah. Leslie from, the, uh, the, Orange, the Orange New Black, yeah, yeah. She, she, I mean, she was also in, um, she was in this movie and in uh, the Coming to America Coming movie. Too, yeah, yeah, okay. Coming to America, yeah. yeah. She started comedy in 1987, bro, and she's wow. just now at the top of the mountain, and that is not an unusual story, you know. And I love people that grind like that. But bro, remember what I started off with? Like I'm an immigrant. I came from I came from a different continent. I'm not here to mark time. I don't have those three years or ten years or fifteen years, you know. Mm-hmm. I need that bread now. So I have to figure out how to get to that bread now. So I have to I have to now think to myself, you know, comedy is all about presentation. You know, it's the way you present the product, that's what people are gonna pay you for it. Mm-hmm. Jokes don't have a value on their own. You're not gonna see a joke and be like, damn, that's a good ass joke. You know what? Well, let me give you five thousand for it. No. Mm-hmm. It's all about the way you put it together. Yeah. You know, this might sound crass, but it's the same thing with strip clubs. There's some strip clubs where it's like $5 a dance. There's other strip clubs where it's 2000 a dance. I mean, I'm trying, I'm, I'm no disrespect, but it might be the same women. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's just the packaging is different in those yeah. two clubs. So comedy is like yeah. that too, you know? So I have to think about it. So what I did was you asked me how I did it. I realized that I have, to, I have to put it together and make it make sense. So one of the things about comedy is you want to be on tour. People pay you more if you've been on tour. Mm. If you see comedians when they introduce themselves, they're like, oh, coming off his last tour where he went to Australia, coming, you know, it shows that you've done something. Mm-hmm. People are not just coming because you're funny. They want to know that you accomplished something, yeah. which is one of the reasons why, you know, uh, basketball players wear jerseys to represent that they're playing for a team, you know. Yeah. I'm not just going there just to watch some random dudes. Like, you know, yeah, they, they want they to feel like, yeah, team. yeah, yeah. No, I feel. You know? Yeah. So, you know, so anyway, so I, I started out with um, universities that were, of course, Towson University, that school I went to. So that was a no-brainer. Did their ASA, went there, performed. Did a couple of other schools around Towson. You know, I wasn't even that good, but I recorded all of that. Stitched it all together. It's somewhere on YouTube. Nobody should go watch it. It's terrible. <laughs> but literally, literally, bro, hey, I did like four. I'm going to find a clip. <laughs> oh, please, please don't. But I did like four of those schools, yeah. and as I did those four schools, what did they end up being? That's a four. Mm. It was free shows. They didn't pay me nothing, but that wasn't what I was looking for. I wasn't looking for the money now. I was looking for the money and the payoff in the future. So I did those four. So as soon as I did those four, my goal was to break into the Ivy League universities because I needed that big name. Mm-hmm. So boom, I started sending emails out to Yale and Princeton and all these other schools. And I'm sending the emails in third person. I'm like, you know, uh, Nigerian-born comedian Foxy P is on his com- currently on a you know African Prince of Comedy tour. He's currently on the East Coast right now. So if you guys want him to come perform at your school, you know, let us know right now because he once he leaves the East Coast, that's it. You know, he may not come back till next year. So boom, Yale hits me up and they're like, "Yo, we want you." As soon as they hit me up, I go do that show. I you know I bring my camera with me, record that joint, I flip it. Princeton, I send him an email now. Comedian Foxy P is still on tour right now. He just did, he's the first African-born comedian to perform at Yale University. And, you know, he's right there. And, you know, Ivy League schools, they go at each other's throats. Yeah, yeah, They're like, wanna... what? Yale. <laughs> Yale? Yale? How much they pay you? <laughs> We're paying you a thousand, bro. Like, what? Yale? Yale? Oh, Yale? Yeah. What? They only got four letters in their name. We got seven. Like, what? <laughs> Legit. So yeah. boom, I do Princeton now. So now I have now the email has changed that I'm sending to the schools now. Now it's Foxy P, the first African-born comedian to perform at the Ivy League universities. Princeton and Yale is on tour. Now the price is up. 
because now I'm the only person that's done those two schools at that time, bro. I mean, I'm talking about like 2009, 2010, early, yeah, yeah, before yeah. social media. There was no Instagram, no Twitter, no YouTube was there, but nobody was really putting stuff up there like on that level. Yeah. So literally, I did that and I did NYU. I did all of those schools, like all them big money schools, nah. crushed all of them. Now I stack all of them together. So now when I'm sending you an email, I'm literally sending you an email telling you this date is gone, this date is gone, this date is gone. This is the date that's available for you. It's not even your choice anymore. This is the only time I can come to your school. And I'm going to charge you $3,000. Wow. That's it. So I have to figure out a way to get in front of that line. I'm not going to be doing like open mics forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. as soon as I figured it out, Paul, as soon as I figured out that whole thing and how it worked, I went back home to go bring my boys with me. Yeah. And that's how I started signing comedians at Got that point. Because I had to make sure that not only am I, am I putting money in my pockets, I'm also empowering them. Yeah. But most importantly, as a businessman, you have to always figure out a way where you can make money okay. while you're not working. Yep, exactly. To you want to make money process. while you sleep. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Automate the process. So you, 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 empower, you empower these young men. And they, they just they took it to the next level. You know, Kami, Capone, Chifobi destroyed. They just destroyed the game. And that was it. And from that point on, that's when it became a real tour. It became the real African princess of comedy tour because before it was just one dude, yeah, or one nigga on that tour. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's yeah. crazy, bro. I that's like it. that. I gotta I gotta think about that because there was some stuff that came to me as you was talking. So when you were hitting these shows up, I know you did the your first couple was just ASA. So once again, African Student Associations. When you were not mm -hmm. when you were trying to get into these other schools and get that bread and you know make yourself look like you've done all this. Was it more like, hey, I'll come to your show and I'll just, I'll come to your school and I'll just do a set? Or were you also looking for those ASAs within these Ivy League big schools? Like, how were you kind of trying to get in there? What was your, what was your goal? That's, no, that's an excellent question. So this is the thing, right? Uh, different schools. So ASA is the African Student Association. It's a, it's, a, it's a club on campus, right? I used to be the president of the boxing club in my campus when I was an, when I was an undergrad, right? So I understand how the student union budgets work, right? Based on the number of students you have in your group, that's the kind of budget they give you, right? And the number of events you do. ASAs usually do two events the whole school year. Mm -hmm. They do one in the fall and one in the spring. Whichever one is the biggest, that's where the, most of their budget goes, right? So that's one thing. The money that the ASA gets is going to be based off of how rich the school is, right? Mm -hmm. So, of course, you know, look at your school. You guys, you guys, are, you guys are renting out your own, your own like, stadium. Yeah. Like, bro, like, you guys... The food that you guys serve, your, your food budget is the budget for other schools' entire show. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Shout out Michigan. So, <laughs> shout, out, shout out Michigan. Dope, yeah. dope school. Showed mad love to the African kids. Yeah. But if I'm thinking about how to optimize my revenue and how to, how to get as much as I, can, as I can, I'm not going to be trying to talk to the community colleges. I love the community colleges, you know, forever and ever but they can't afford to pay me what I want to get paid, mm. number one. Number two, they can't afford to get me and my comedians because my boys need to eat too. So I have to go where the money is at. And where is the money? The Ivy League school. Mm -hmm. gotcha. So you, you see how yeah, it's coming together. I see, I see together. what you're saying now. Okay, I see why you kind of went that route. I, I, so I had to do that. So it was very intentional. Gotcha. You know? yeah. So once, once you do that, then you, you get in there. And you, you, you asked an excellent question too. At, the point, at that time, ASA events were being hosted by the funny African-American kid on campus. Interesting. So a lot of times there was like, you know, you know how we 
every once in a while we get into that whole thing between black folk and African folk and everything, you know, the, the people who go on stage and tell jokes about, you know, African booty scratcher thinking it's funny, whereas there's people who grew up with that trauma and they're yeah. looking at you like, bro, that is not funny, That's not funny at bro. all. Been through that. You yeah. understand what I'm saying? Or making, making, making comments about accents and things. You know how it is when somebody's making fun, there's nothing wrong with that. But if that person is not of your culture, it can have an edge to it. Mm. So once I realized that I knew that there was a market for African comedians to perform at these events. So these schools were looking, the, 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 demand, the demand was that there was no supply. Got you. So that's why I had to sign comedians because I had to feel that, I had to feel that need. Yeah. I had to push it out, you know? Yeah. And, and that, that's pretty much what happened. So we, you. you can make a point that we were the first generation of comedians that literally started, made, made we, we made, uh, we, we created a market where, there was, where, where we're reaching out to schools and saying, look, Reaching out to ASAs and saying, look, we know you have a show coming up. Yeah. Who do you want to be on your mic? Exactly. An African kid that understands the culture, that can talk to the parents and the crowd, give you the material that caters to you, mm-hmm. or somebody who's not a, like, literally, that's all, that's all it was, you know? So legit. That's smart. You yeah, found that, you found happened, that niche, bro. No, that makes sense. That makes that a lot is, of sense. It paints, it, a lot yeah. of big, uh, paints the picture now. And now I'm curious. Let's talk about that. You know, this African princes of comedy. Now, I mm-hmm. think what's really dope about this is that you felt that, like, I got, I got to bring my people up, right? Yeah. And I'm kind of curious, how did you go about that? Was it like, did you always know, oh, I know that homie is funny. If I had the opportunity, I would, I, would, I, would, I would do something with him. Or was it more like they reached out to you like, yo, I heard you've been getting this money at these shows. Like, how do I do that? Like, how did that actually become a thing? So it was, it was very organic. In terms of people reaching out, of course, people would always reach out. You know, they'll hear about, you know, because my, my comedians are killing it, like destroying it. Like we went on a tear. I think in 2013, was it 13 or 14, when Instagram first started doing videos, mm. we did a video a day for a year. Bruh, anything in life, bro, anything in life that you do every single day, you're going to be the best at it. There's no way. There is no way. Like, I remember we had more followers than Whiskey. Like this is so, which wow. is that much, but but that you know, but that's that's what with new social media it it happens that way, right? Yeah. The early adopters, whether it's peak, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Twitter, whatever it is. But if that social media app stays up long enough, it starts to resemble real life. The mm. so whiskey, of course, in real life is way more popular than than we are, right? Mm. So over over a certain period of time, it starts to. You know, yeah, starts to rearrange like, yeah, and yeah. you know balances out. So now he's sitting on you know how many hundreds of millions of followers, and we're still where we are. So you know, but back then, the point I'm trying to make is, a lot of the comedians, people coming up, were like, yo, you know, they they're seeing what we're doing, and they started to reach out and everything. But the main driver for me was um, there was an award show, and big award show, and none of us were nominated for best comedian. It was an African award show. And same in our worship. None of us are nominated for Best Comedian. And people were talking on Twitter like, yo, why didn't you nominate these dudes? Like, we watch them every day. Mm. And their response was, they're not real comedians. They're, they're social media comedians. Oh. So I'm like, I'm like, like, all, you, all you're consuming is our skits that we're doing online. But, bro, come into my world. Like, we rock stages. Yeah. But you calling us social media comedians? I'm like, all right, bet. 
I, I reach out to all the comedians, all the all the social media comedians at this point. I reach out to them. I'm like, you know what? You know the easiest way to go from being a social media comedian to being a real comedian? Mm-hmm. We're going to go on tour. And that was it. African Principal Comedy Tour. Like, literally, African Ape, Dulo, uh, Wawa Boys. Like, yeah. it was like everybody. I'm much love to all of those dudes. Like, as soon as I said, this is what we're doing, there wasn't a single person that was like, oh, how much are you going to pay me? Blah, blah. They were like, bro, let's go. The first show we did, we did it here in Maryland. The first show we did, I remember, we wanted to wanted to rent a wanted to rent a stage, and they were like two thousand. Two thousand was more than the budget for the entire show. So we built the stage ourselves. We went to Home Depot, got some wood, got some stuff. There's still videos on, it. bro. That, it was everything. Like it was us. We did we did the show on a level where if you weren't on stage, you were on out front getting money at the door. Wow. Like that level. Like it was we we pulled this whole thing together. So we we that was like 2014. And from then up until now, we did big shows like, you know, bro, we did Maryland, we did Houston, the Houston show was yeah. ridiculous. You know, that was that was crazy. We had Ice Prince, that was 2015. We did Dallas, we did Hollywood, Hollywood, we did Hollywood, because a lot of my comedians were like, I can't wait till I make it to Hollywood. And I'm like, bro, let's go. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, I, but you know, somebody has to say, I'm like, no, it's America. <laughs> we can go. <laughs> can go. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. can go. And we went out there and we did a show in Hollywood on a, on a Sunday that had 800 people. Wow. And a week before that show, we had only sold 150 tickets. Wow. Because people were like, we don't know these guys. Yeah. They're coming all the way out here to Hollywood. Bro, you know who's in Hollywood? Eddie Murphy lives in Hollywood. Like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. these African kids are coming out here. So, you know what I did? We had only sold 150 tickets. And so, and we tried everything, like, you know, ads, everything. Nothing was working. Nobody was really fucking with us. So I told all the comedians we had sold out tickets. And they were like, where? I'm like, yeah, bro, we sold out. You know, you should have seen the way they started posting that joint. They posted the flyers, everything. So they're doing videos like, ah, you didn't get your tickets yet. <laughs> it's, it's done. Yo, see the panic. Phones is blowing up. People are going crazy. And we still didn't release any tickets till Thursday before the show. Wow. We started to release them. 10, 10, 10. So you know how people like try to buy like sneakers yeah, that are like, yeah. that just dropped? Yeah, yeah. They're hitting refresh on our event, right? Like, bro, like, yo, let me get that. My girl already got three tickets. Like, I gotta come. <laughs> that was, we have to flip it on them. So, bro, that, that, that's been our story. But now we're planning the African Princess of Comedy Tour. And this one is called the For My People Tour. And this tour right now is focused on our restaurants, the African restaurants who are the lifeblood of any African community here in America and in Canada. They've been decimated by the pandemic. You know, these are these are restaurants that already, you know, are owned by immigrants. So they, they don't have the same access to credit. They don't know how to fill out a PPL yeah. form. They don't know how to do all those things. You know, most of the people that work there are people that work under the table. So as soon as the job went away, you know, they have to figure out what to do with themselves. So these, these businesses have been struggling. So the goal is to go out there. And it's not going to be like our big, big shows. It's going to be like really small, like 30 people show, 40 people show. But the goal is to like give back to those to those restaurants, to go out there and touch them and feel them, let them know that we feel your pain. Like the goal is to go out there. It's threefold. First goal, let the people that are within that city know that that restaurant is back in business. Second, You've been struggling for how many months now? At least have a day where you're going to sell out everything. That goat meat that's been frozen in the bottom of the freezer, you're going to sell it that day, right? Yeah. And then the third and most important thing, bro, 
If you think about life as an immigrant, what is the one thing we all struggle with? We feel like we're all by ourselves. Mm -hmm. So just for them to know, like, yo, there's, there's a bunch of young African niggas that are thinking about you, like, yo, we're coming out, come do it. So I told the comedians, they're like, yo, box, let's go. So that's what we're doing now, and we're trying to push it as hard as possible. The goal is to get the, the um, get, so anybody that's listening, now, go to AfricanPrinceOfComedy.com. You know, we have stuff up there so they can go sign up, and we want to get 20, 20 restaurants all around the U.S. We're going to get them signed up, and we're going to do everything we can to go out there to entertain people in those cities. Mm. We want people to fly out to come to those restaurants, come spend money at those places. Let's support our people, because yeah. nobody else is going to do it, bro. That's Nobody true. else is going to do it. That's so true. that's that's the goal right now. So we're signing them up. We want to sign everybody up by end of March, but the tour starts in June. And it's going to be the For My People tour, the African Prince of Comedy For My, for my people, people Tour, where we're doing this For My People. Yeah. Now that's that's, yeah. that's really dope, man. I, mean, I know you did a lot there, but that, that's really dope. And the first thing that comes to mind is like, I guess, you know, you know, you, you when you were start, first starting your story, you were like, I know I had to get bread. I had to get bread. I had to make sure I'm straight. But what I'm seeing from you now is like, I'm there. I, I, you know, obviously you still always want bread, right? But you're at this point where you're like, man, how can I bring up people around me? And I want to, before we talk more about the tour and, you know, what you're doing next, where did you feel like that came from this, this feeling that you had to take care of the people that were like you? Because at the end of the day, when you're in America, you're by yourself, you got to just take care of yourself. But you, you purposely went out of your way to bring people up. So I'm kind of curious, like what really made you passionate about that? Wow, that's that's a heavy that's a heavy question. Um, so you know, uh, being being Nigerian, you're Nigerian too. You know, we don't our parents don't just give us names just to give us names, right? Mm -hmm. They're not just gonna be like, oh, that's a cute name. Let me just name this baby that name, right? We have names that's heavy that mean stuff, right? Uh, one of my names is Onyaya Lawanea. That's an Igbo name that means, you know, you you should you know you thou shall never forsake your brother. You never leave your brother. Right, you always gonna be your brother's keeper. You always gonna hold your brother down. And I was given that name based off of things that was happening, you know, in my father's extended family at the time where he was always there for his brothers. He was always there for his siblings. He was always there for the extended family. But because I came, I'm the first child, but I came six years after marriage, which in the eighties, if you think it's crazy now in all them African movies where the woman hasn't had the baby yet, ah, she's barren. Hey, what happened? Yeah. Imagine in the eighties, bro. Wow. My mom didn't have a baby for six years, like, you know, three miscarriages, like all kinds of like, you know, she went through it. Mm -hmm. So they were talking crazy. They put they, they left my father alone. Like they, they literally like this was a man who was always there for them. So my grandfather was like, that's the name for this child. You know, you should always be your brother's keeper. You should always be there for your brother. And it wasn't until I was a little bit older, I started to realize a lot of the things that I've done in my life have always been based off of that. I've always done things for my people. And that's another reason why we call that's another reason why we called the tour the for my people tour. Because if you look back, I just gave you the example of when I came to Maryland and I was like, what do you guys do to make bread? Right? People told me all kinds of things, bro. But one of the things that I ended up doing was throwing African parties. Bringing African artists, like nice, for instance, nice, you know the art the artist, yeah. Nigerian artist, nice. Mm -hmm. We were the first people to bring nice to 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 America. Like here in Maryland, he performed two thousand and seven. That was the first time that any African artist got paid over $10,000, that they hit that mark. Wow. So every, if you look at everything that I've done from that point on, throwing parties, it was always African parties. Then I started doing comedy and I reached back and I get my boys and I'm like, yo, 
I need to put you in a position where, like, bro, I had, I had comedians who were making 100000 in their sophomore year, working only on weekends. Wow. Young kids, killing it, you know? So think about that, right? And, you know, think, think about that piece of it. Then the tour that we're doing, bringing every, everybody together, you know, to go on stage. Oh, they're calling you a social media comedian? Well, guess what? Now you've been on stage. The video is out there. You know, the pictures is out there. You're yeah. not a social media comedian anymore, right? If you look at everything that I've done in my life for the past, like, 15 years, Paul, it's been for my people. Mm -hmm. So this is not, it's not something new. It's always been, but now I'm intentional about it because the pandemic showed me that, yo, we have to be intentional about what we're doing. Yeah. Donald Trump showed me that we have to be intentional about what we're doing because there's evil people out there that if, you, if you're not intentional, they will play with your life. Yeah. So now I'm intentional about everything that I do. So between the comedy tour being for my people, between creating jobs in Africa, like right now we have about, and this is just personal businesses that I run with my spouse. We have 21 people on payroll. It was 15 by December. We started a new business, um, which is the launch studio. So we should go there. It's like a digital market and they make like flyers, websites, everything. It's all women tech, fir tech firm, all women mm -hmm. tech company. In, in Lagos, Nigeria right now. We hired five people that is doing that. And my goal with all the other businesses that we have, the goal is now to get to at least 50 people on payroll by the end of the year. So the point I'm trying to make to you, Paul, like everything that I do mm -hmm. is for my people yeah. across the board. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I just bought my parents a house. They're about to move into it like next week. Like every single thing I do now yeah. is for my people. So I'm being intentional about it. And now I'm talking about it a little bit more. I'm, you know, I'm yeah, bringing yeah. it all together no, so that way good. people can see it, you know, nah. and they can inspire people to be able to do more too. Nah, that's good. I appreciate you going down that route, man. Thank nah, you. I mean, that's a good, that's a that's a great answer. And the reason I wanted you to explain that is, um, I think, you know, when you you talked earlier, you don't like to do interviews because, you know, you kind of want to keep your life, your life, but I've always felt, and I've, I've always personally been interested, you know, you mentioned Kevin Hart earlier. I read his book because I was really, I liked him, but I'm like, how did you do this? How did you become? And I just love learning how people do it because it's, it's inspiration for me, motivation for me, because mm. I want to accomplish similar goals, but I, I need to know, like, I want to know. Right. So I think that's why I wanted you to explain that. And that's, that's really dope. And another thing you said was you were intentional. You're now intentional mm -hmm. about what you're doing. And yeah. I remember when we were talking earlier, you were talking about like, you know, with the pandemic, I wanted to be intentional about, you know, not drinking a Foxy P yeah. 2.0. Can you kind of explain to us what you've kind of went through with this pandemic, how you've kind of intentionally changed? So I'm about, let me check the app. Cause I have an app on my phone yeah. that tells me how I've been doing for my sobriety. Uh, it's going to tell me in a second now. Uh, so my, my sober date is um, November 10th, 2019, right? I'm 494 days sober now. So not okay. a drop of alcohol in 494 days, right? It's going to be 500 days in six days. So that's going to be dope. Yeah. So, um, uh, so I stopped drinking in November, um, 2019 because it wasn't serving me anymore. You know, the drinking became its own thing. It just became its own thing. You know, before it used to be like, you go out with your boys, yeah, you get yeah, a yeah. section, you get yeah. a page, you're like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Henny boy. You're a, you're a gray goose boy. You know, you're a Ciroc <laughs> boy, you know? I'm out sitting with my bottle, you know, let me get some hookah. Let me get, you know, that yeah. was, that was it. Yeah. But then, you know, I found myself in a situation where, you know, it's Tuesday evening and I'm drinking and there's, there's nothing to celebrate. Like, you know, it's not like Nigeria won a soccer match anywhere or anything like that, bro. It's, there's nothing like literally yeah. I'm killing half a bottle of Henny just cause it's Tuesday, wow. you know? So I'm like, you know, so it got to a point where it was becoming too much. And for me, 
you know, it goes back to that whole being an immigrant, being by yourself. I've always been responsible for me. So I can't afford to let anything go beyond what I can handle. If I get a DUI now and I lose my job where I need a clearance, what, how is that going to affect my family? So I, I can't, I, you know, children can play games. People with safety nets can play games. I have no safety net. I am my family's safety net. Mm-hmm. So if you're the safety net, you better be serious about what you're doing. There's a lot of people that, you know, there's a lot of people that's paying attention to you. If it was just the number of people whose who's tuition I pay back home in Africa, that's enough reason for you to just be focused. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. if anything happens to me, they, they, they're going to drop out of school. Yeah, you got so responsibilities. Literally, and, so there is a lot of responsibility. And so this is the flip side of responsibility. A lot of times we focus on the bad side, like, oh, you're stressing me out. Oh, why am I thinking? But that responsibility sometimes is also what gives you that, you know, that stiff, like, you know, strengthens your backbone, that strengthens your spine and tells you, like, bro, we got to go. Yeah. So when I got to that point with, with the alcohol, I was like, no, nah, I got to let this go. And I don't know how to do, I don't know how to do partial let go. Like, I'm ne- I've never been one of those people. I'm like, ooh, you know, let's try and do it only on weekends, bro. I will bang <laughs> now on that weekend. Friday to Sunday, will, it's lit. <laughs> I will figure out a way to bring that weekend into Tuesday, bro. Like I will. Yeah. I'll be like, look, I took the, I took the day off. It's a weekend, <laughs> so I, I have to I have to kill that. But then there were unintended consequences of of stopping the drinking. By stopping the drinking, I started to lose weight, and as I started to lose weight, I started to feel better about myself, and I started to work out. So between when I stopped drinking up until now, I think I've lost maybe like forty seven pounds. Wow. Right. I work out five times a week. Right. So I, I eat I eat once a day. Like I'm intentional. I'm not I'm not living to eat. You know, you know, I'm eating to live now. Like I'm 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 intentional about what I put in my body. Like you see me with my bottles of water and everything. Like I'm yeah. constantly hydrating. So my brain is working on a different level. Like, you know, Paul, let me tell you one crazy thing. And I hope people listening to this, you know, can take this away. I am not a saint by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Like I love bro. If, if we're driving in any city and there's a, there's a section of the city where the lights are not complete, it's not too bright, it's mm-hmm. kind of dark, mm-hmm. that's where I want to be. Like, I, I, I'm drawn to, like, the darkness. The dark. <laughs> Bro, like, during the pandemic, I would drive, I would get in my car and drive from, like, midnight to 3 in the morning. Like, that's me. I love to be in the streets. Like, I love the streets, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not a saint by any stretch of the imagination. But one thing I want to point out to people is one of the advantages I, I picked up on when I stopped drinking was all of a sudden, whenever I was having business meetings, I would always come out a winner. And I didn't understand it. I would go to business meetings where at the first conversation, the dude, and it could be a real estate deal. It could be something we're trying to buy and sell. It could be something that we're trying to buy property in Africa, whatever, build, you know, build a school, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it would start off with like, you know, they're the ones who called me. So I show up for the meeting and it's like, we start off with 70, 30, 70 for them, 30 for me. Right. But as the evening goes on and we're deliberating, when we leave, it always ends up at least 60, 40, where I'm getting 60, they're getting 40. Or sometimes it would even be 80, 20. And you know what I realized, Paul? What? A lot of guys, especially black men or just men in general, where do we meet to talk business? Skirt club. It could be a club, it could be a bar, it could be a restaurant, yeah. whatever it is, right? But, you know, we're talking business. Well, this is club talk, right? Yeah. Big money talk, right? So while we're there, we're going to get some bottles. But I don't drink. Y'all drink. Mm. So we start off 70-30. Now you're drinking. 
And as you're drinking, it be tough, you know, you're becoming loose. You're, yeah. you're enjoying yourself. Life is not that important. Maybe you were thinking like, oh, let me do that 730 because my wife has a baby coming. But you're drinking now. You're like, eh, that baby's going to be all right. She got a good job, <laughs> you know? Bro, I, I did not see this coming. Yeah. I did not see this coming. I crossed the board, brother. I crossed the board. So literally, by the end of the meeting now, I'm walking away with a higher percentage than what you intended to give me. And then once we sign it, that's it. Yeah. And I didn't put a gun to your head. I didn't fight. I didn't, I didn't finesse nothing. I was just sober during the conversation. Mm. Interesting. And so you know what I started to think about, Paul? I started to think about how our African leaders mortgaged our future when they would go for all them UN convention meetings mm. with all them Russians who would drink you under the table, with all them Chinese who some of them don't drink, or even if they drink, they're just going to be sipping on water or something, or the Americans who literally, you know, the man is going to bring his own scotch. You're yeah. not going to give him something else he's not used to. The Americans, they drink one thing. Yeah. That's it. And now you're dealing with an African who you're just playing with all kinds of foreign alcohol. His system is not used to it. So all of a sudden now you tell the man like, look, uh, I need I need the rights to drill for for diamonds or to drill for gold in your country or drill for oil in your country for a hundred years. And in exchange for that, I'll build your Senate I'll build your Senate building, which is a deal that the Liberian government did with the Chinese not so long ago. Wow. So it's it's still this happening today, Paul, yeah. where our leaders get drunk and sign all of these things. But because you're a man, you that pride, you can't go back and be like, bruh, like this deal don't make no sense. No, that's smart. I don't even make. I don't even make. No, that's sense. that's a that's a deep impact. It started with let me let me stop for pandemic, but you realized the impact it was having on your life, and now it's made your life better. So across the board, bro. That's across great. The board, you no, know? no, that was great. Um, and I was kind of you know I, I know we're kind of nearing the time. I don't want to take too much time from you, and I think just with everything you've you've told us, it's been a great picture of who you are now and what your goals are. It's very like, I'm going to improve this place better than I came. Right. So I'm curious now, if you had to tell us what's kind of next for you, what are you kind of, what are you kind of working on now that we can kind of be excited for? Or what do you want to like, let us know? So the tour, the tour is huge. The tour is huge because you're touching people's lives. Um, you know, I already told you like, you know, impact investments is everything for me. I, I don't believe like right now, I think we have maybe like six, yeah, maybe like six or seven businesses. Mm. You know, the goal is not to just do businesses to make money, right? The world is a very lonely place. If, if, if all you want is money, you know, bro, it, it, it's lonely. You want love. You want you want affection. You want people to be happy. And I, I found out at a very early stage in my life, I love to give. You know, I, I came up in a family that loves to give. Mm. So I get more from giving. So now it's impact investment everything that we do is impact investment how is it impacting people like we have a factory now in africa where we're manufacturing clothing right we pay the women like two to three times what they would charge somebody else how much it would cost to make it and the reason we do that because an impact investment we want to make sure you know i'll give you an example like two years ago we had one of the ladies that works for us she was like oh you know our kids to change the school for our kids oh and i didn't know where she was coming from can you hear me yeah, I can hear you now. We got cut off? Yeah, I think you got, you oh, got cut can off. We, can we still go? Yeah, we can still. We're still, we're still alive. Okay. Yeah, you, yeah. you were just so, getting into, um, you're paying the woman in Nigeria for the yeah, clothing. Yeah, in Nigeria. For, yeah, so she's, she's working for us. And she was like, oh, she just changed. She's like, oh, you know, because my wife went to Nigeria. And she's like, 
you know, the lady was like, oh, you know, I, I know you're coming, but, you know, give me some time. I got to go pick up my kids. And she's like, I thought your kids went to school right next to the house. She's like, oh, no, they changed. I changed their school. And she's like, so she's telling me, she's like, oh, babe, blah, blah, blah. You know, she changed her, she changed her kid's school. And I was like, no, you don't understand what happened there. She's like, no, 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 I thought maybe they moved, you know. I was like, no, 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 no. When that African woman tells you that I, she changed her children's school, that means she changed it for the better. That means the bread she's making right now. She's like, look, my kids, I, I'm making enough to yeah. elevate my, my children's education. So, bro. We're impacting people's lives now. That's dope. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So one of the things I'm working on now, which I, I think I told you that before, is I'm working on like a a, a PA program where I'm going to be linking entrepreneurs, people like you who have a full-time job and have side hustles. I'll link you up with young people in Africa who there would be your PA. You know, mm -hmm. you pay for a couple of hours, but the, the most important is, thing, uh, maybe, maybe they give you like an hour. Personal assistant, mm -hmm. thank you, yeah personal assistant, you know, everything now is online. So they can, you know, Google Docs, whatever. They can shoot emails for you. They can plan dinner for you and your girl. They can do all <laughs> that kind of stuff. You know, all the emails that you were sending back and forth with me, that should have been your PA. Like literally, mm -hmm. they could call you on, they could call me on Google Voice and be like, Mr. Paul will be with you in a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they might not, they may not say it that way. They're going to be like, Mr. Paul will be with you very soon. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yo, I need but, that, but bro. Girl, this is steep. I need that. Yeah. You know, so we're definitely going to do that because the goal, when NSARS happened, all I saw when, I, when NSARS was happening with the pain and suffering and everything else, what I saw was, you know, the young people that just didn't have money. They just, they were economically like, like stagnated, like Africa, like Nigeria would do that. Nigeria would press your neck as a young person, mm -hmm. you know, that's the only reason why David, you know, you can walk on the street and nothing will happen to him, but a young kid with dreads, all of a sudden SARS is like losing their minds trying to kill him. So I, economic empowerment. Yes. So that's one of the things that I'm working on now. So there's a pilot program. I'm going to pull you into the pilot program. I already have five, I already have five people in the pilot program. I might pull you in because I, I think you'll be a good mentor because it's, it's a mentoring thing too. I see. You're going to have to mentor that person, show them how to do stuff and everything else. So, bro, that's all. So about, my, if anybody's listening to this podcast and you don't take anything else away from this, be the change you want to see. Go out there and do it. It's not that hard. It's not that hard, bro. Literally, these PA I'm talking about, it's a thousand naira an hour. You know how much a thousand naira is? How much? Two dollars, bro. Wow. It is not that hard for you to make a difference in people's lives. And that's this this money I'm telling you, it is eight times the minimum wage in Nigeria right now. Eight times, what? bro. Factor of eight. Factor of eight. I want you to pay attention to what I'm saying. Two dollars an hour is eight times the minimum wage that the government has said this is a living wage so imagine the level of impact if you're able to just give somebody have somebody working for you and you're giving them like 50 dollars, you know every two weeks or whatever like it, it, it's not going to break you mm -hmm. but it's going to impact that person positively yeah man, that's beautiful and that's where we're going man. And i love that man i think um yeah, I'm really excited about what you're doing because it just shows me. I think a lot of the times we see news, we see what's trending, and we're just like, fuck, man. Like, what the fuck is going on in the world? But we just saw what happened in Atlanta, you know, with the eight people that lost their life. Rest in peace, man. And sometimes they said, it's, he, they, said, they said he had a bad day. They said the boy had a bad day. Man. He was having a, he was having a bad day. That, that could be a whole nother episode, bro. But um, what, what I'm getting at is that, you know, we're constantly bombarded with the negatives of life. So I, I love that. You're telling us what you're doing. You're, you're being actionable about it. Like, it's not just words. Like, 
we can go out there and see what you've done. We've, we can see the impact. So I love that. And I want to keep spreading that. I want to, you know, if you guys are listening to this, watching this, share this with somebody that you think would really appreciate this. Um, so no, I'm, I'm really inspired by it. I'm really motivated. And um, in closing, I also want to just, you kind of said a lot of stuff, but I want to know if you had to just share one word of advice to anybody listening, watching, what would that be? Um, the, the advice that I'll give, and this, you know, I know there's probably a lot of religious people that are listening right now, so I don't want them to take it the wrong way, but just work with me here. Um, the Christian faith believes that, well, the Muslim faith believes that you, you, you die and you go to heaven and you get your reward, right? Our Christian faith is, is quite similar, right? You, you die, but if you give your life to Christ before you die, so you could be Hitler, you could be the worst person in the world, and then if you just say, God save me before you die, you know, you go to heaven, right? Um, so literally, you could be a dick to people, right? Mm. And you could still make it in. But the Jewish faith doesn't believe in an afterlife. There's no heaven, right? What they believe in is live a good life so that way you have a legacy so your children can benefit from the fact that their father was a good man or their mother was a good woman. So for me, I'm not Jewish. I'm Christian. I'm just, I'm just using that to just paint the picture because these are all Abrahamic religions anyway, so they have the same root, which is Judaism, right? Mm. For me, I live my life like that where everything I do is all about legacy. When I walk out of that room, what are you going to say about me? If somebody comes to you and they're like, oh, my name is Paul, you know, I used to bang with Foxy, that's my man. You're going you're gonna to open, you're gonna open your business to him and be like, yo, bro, let's, let's link. You know, if you, if you and Fox was cool, yeah. you're cool with me. Because, yeah. bro, if you think about everything that I've done, it's always been with people, whether I was signing comedians, whether I was going on tour, anything I've done, it was always, I, I had a credit rating with my people. So my goal in life is to keep that credit rating, that interpersonal rating, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. by treating everybody great, treating them with respect, you know, doing things that's going to impact people. You know what I'm saying? I'm still going to fall short. I'm still going to have things that are not as good. You know, I'm still going to say crazy things or do crazy things. But if you bring the sum total of everything I've done, the good and the bad, I would hope that by the time I'm done with this life, the net would be more good than bad. Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm living for. No. So if you if you have that mentality, bro, you can't fail. No. I love that, man. I, I relate. I relate heavily to that. I, that that touched me right there. So I appreciate that, man. And uh, in closing, I want to make sure you get all your promos. What is something that you want everybody to know? What you want them to follow, watch, buy? Let us all know right now before we let you go. All right, so uh, African Prince of Comedy Tour is coming out. If you know any restaurants that you know need that love, I don't care if it's a hole in the wall in the middle of Nebraska somewhere. And I've been using Nebraska as an example because my boy, my boy Kamaru Usman, <laughs> the UFC champion, he went to Nebraska. So <laughs> I don't know why. It just, it, just, it just sounds like a hole in the wall, yeah. you know, kind of fake place whatever yeah so but he, he has to forgive me but you know go on my page on instagram you know the fox himself t-h-e-d fox foxy foxy p the fox himself mm-hmm. um go on there you know dm me send me their link send me their phone number whatever we'll do their we'll run it down and i do have my own pa so that's another thing too paul i have my own pa who's running all these joints down hey. so i don't even email nobody like you send me the information i give it to him he runs it down I put money in his pocket. He's happy. I'm happy. Life is good. I love that. So 
literally if you if you know any restaurant because that's the most important thing right now for me you know and just be good to each other understand that this pandemic yes outside is about to open up blah 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 at the same time mental health is extremely important if you have a job where you have insurance sign up to get therapy it's, it's you're already paying for it. your company's already paying for it it's extremely important we as africans don't take advantage of it especially the men we go through all kinds of trauma we deal with all kinds of stuff we internalize everything therapy bro you're gonna you're gonna be a better husband better boyfriend better human being to be around so if nothing else if you don't take anything else if you don't want to be good to people <laughs> if you don't want to if you don't want to help people in africa yeah, if you don't want to invest in people if you don't want to do anything just go therapy so at least you're not just going to be an asshole when you're standing in line behind me. That's it. So that's it. That's it. <laughs> no, I love that. Oh, and the last thing I forgot to mention um, is your raffle prize, which is ironic because you stopped drinking, but you're giving away two drinks. <laughs> How now? How are you doing this? So can you oh, give us... I got to be like that. <laughs> give a little breakdown like about that. what you're giving away, and then I'll break down how people can win it later. Oh, man. I wish I, I wish I brought some of them close to me here, but I don't have them. They're downstairs. Um, so it's Alamo Bitas. Alamo Bitas is a product made by Casapreco. It's a Ghanaian company. They used to sponsor us, you know, a few years ago uh, when we had this a small show called Tal's Kitchen that some people may have heard about. And we organically started using it. It's like a, it's like a herbal, it's a herbal alcoholic drink that is supposed to get you drunk it's 40 percent alcohol hey. but it's supposed to get your dick hard it's like a, it's like an <laughs> african viagra bro like it and the crazy thing about it i'll be honest yeah because when i used to when i used to sip on it bro you know how well we're still young anyway so we haven't used that but people tell me when they use Viagra, they're like yo they use it like four hours before like so if they have a date right yeah, at 8 p.m yeah. and they're supposed to take her out to dinner and everything so they time it so they take it like six so we, we go 10. to dinner at eight and by 10 yeah. you know boom it's like, <laughs> and they're ready to go yeah bro this joint you better have that person right next to you because once you start sipping bro it's a problem <laughs> it's a problem like if you if you if you were planning to sip yeah. and then get in your car and drive, you will not fit in that car, <laughs> yeah. bro. Like get 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 high get high right next to me and be like, you know what? Give me a second, baby. Let me Yeah. That's it. That's legit, a... legit. So I figured out I'll, I'll give them away. Cause you know, once once you said it, because I've you know I've been sitting on it for a while because you know, you don't want this to get in the wrong hands, bro. It's a pandemic. You don't want people, you know. <laughs> hey, we've been nine months up. later, we've been they got four up. kids. Yeah. You know, bro, you yeah. can't, you know, it, it, it's going to be a problem. So, you know, I'm, I'm giving that away. I'm giving it with two bottles, and okay. Paul gets to Paul gets to give it out to whoever he wants, yeah. whoever wins the competition. Got so, you. No, yeah. I appreciate that. That's a, that's a hell of a promo. I'll explain on the raffle once we uh, let uh, Foxy off. But um, once again, bro, I, I just want to say I really appreciate you. I appreciate your message, what you're doing, how you're living. And, you know, I really just hope that whoever's listening and also feels something because I definitely felt, you know, something about how I'm going to change my life, impact my life. So I want to thank you for your time. I know we went a little bit over, but I think it was all worthwhile. I hope you had a good time. And, oh, I uh, nah, I appreciate you, man. So, yeah, you can just, I think, leave out whatever go. And then I just want to say appreciate right. you. Now, I'll, I'll touch up with you later, bro. All right, thank you so much, Paul. Thank you all for tuning in to episode 20 of the Paul and Pals podcast. Hope y'all enjoyed that. Uh, that was a really great way to enter our 20s. So shout outs to us. Um, if you guys did enjoy that, I would really appreciate if you guys could help me out by sharing this with somebody that you feel could also, you know, benefit from hearing these conversations. 
Um, and also, if you guys have anybody that you'd recommend or if you want to be on the show, let me know. Reach out to me. You guys can reach out to me multiple different ways. First off, you can email me at paul at paulandpals.live. You can follow me on all socials at PonyboyPaul. And then you can also just follow the podcast itself on all platforms as well, Paul and Pals. And lastly, if you're more of a reader, you don't really want to like, you know, listen or watch my beautiful face all the time. I get it. I don't understand, but I get it. Um, you guys can also just read the newsletter and you guys can access that via read.palmapals.live. Also, you guys might have heard us talking about the raffle prize. Actually, in order to be eligible, you guys can actually watch this live every other Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, but to be eligible for the prize, you actually have to be subscribed to the newsletter once again at read.palmapals.live. So, you know, whatever out of those options fits you, I appreciate that. Either way, just keep tuning in, keep listening, and I hope you remember to stay creative. Peace.